Decide or proof decides, yeah, that you guys are going to come together, yep, and form a super group, yep, called the Dirty Dozen. The Dirty Dozen, and you base the idea kind of like the Wu Gambinos, Mm -hmm. you guys are going to all have different aliases for your regular names, yeah, because we are solo artists. But we got to have an alias to be in the group. Got it. Yep. And he took a whole bunch of people. And people, it was twelve people at first. It so Dirty Dozen people. was literally a dozen rappers. It was a dozen rappers at first, right? Yeah. And yeah. It, it at some point whittled down to six later on, each mm-hmm. having an alter ego, which still made it a dozen. Yep. And Marshall chooses his alias. And Slim Shady is born. Slim Shady is born. Yeah. So he comes up with this character mm-hmm. and decides this is an opportunity for me to do stuff that I don't feel comfortable doing in my regular persona. Not even that he don't feel comfortable doing it was kind of like, I'm tired of this shit. Like everything that he was actually going through, it was like he took off all of the forget radio, forget everything. This is like, what I'm feeling, everybody got to feel. Right. And everything had to fit that. So when we when the idea came about, everything had to change. The way that the music sound and everything. So I was going for more filth was the thing. Because remember, we we do some shit and be like, ew. Yeah, you know? dirty, dirty dozen. Dirty dozen is filth. So, so the, the music had to be that way. And he was literally, bro... Oh, man, what song was it? Bring your boys in. We could bring the noise in. You don't want to fuck with Dirty Dozen. Right. Zard did the hook. And M's verse, like, he was born at this point. He found who he was supposed to be. He found who he was supposed to be. He wasn't trying to be anybody else anymore. He was being himself, saying the stuff that he wanted to say Mm -hmm. with real purpose behind it. It was really fun because he didn't you could tell it was no holes bar and you could you could hear the frustration of being a dad and having to pay bills and shit like that it was like all in there yeah you know what i mean mm-hmm. so so you start making those records and he at the same time starts making some more demos for himself as well yeah but before that check this out remember beats rhymes in life child call quest beats rhymes in life yeah Drifting by Tordently, that song. Yeah. He had the illest song to that beat. M had that beat before Tribe had it. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold yes. on a second. 
<laughs> stop, yes. stop right there. Yes, bro. So you're saying, because this has been an ongoing discussion for a very long time mm-hmm. about Marshall never really properly working with Dilla. Yeah, he had that beat. So you're saying Marshall had that Dilla beat. He had that beat. Before Q-Tip did. Before Tribe had it. It was on the tape. He How did it. he have it? From Proof? Proof gave it to him. He was like, yo, I got to get some Dilla beats. We was so he wasn't in the studio Dilla. with Dilla? No, 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 no. He got he the beat this. from Proof. He got the beat from Proof. Did he make a song to it? He got a whole song. I don't even know if he recorded it, but he wrote it because I remember him writing it. And I oh, remember wow. the song being ill as hell because it was, I forget what the concept was, but you know, back then we would do the verse like, you know, we could do the verse out loud because we couldn't record it right away. Right. And he told Proof and told Dilla, like told JD, he was like, yo, M want this beat. And it might have been another beat too. But that song, so when we heard it on the on the Tribe album, it was like, oh, man. <laughs> you know, but it's Tribe Called Quest. What you going to say? So did you know before you heard the song? What you mean? That, that it was used for an album? No, because it was when he made it. So when it came out, you heard that? We heard... Yeah, when we when it came out, that's when we found out it was on there. Because we didn't know, you know, Proof knew JD, but JD also was popping at this time, but JD also knew that he wanted the beat because he was going to give it to him. He just was like, he told him a price, and I think M was trying to get the money up for it or something because we was broke, you know? Yeah, sure. But then he was working on with Tribe, and this was right when they first started working together, and that's when, you know, it came out and stuff. So, wow. yeah, that was like, ill. But, now mind you, they would have got Slim Marshall. They wouldn't have got. They would have got. That would have been the first version of I am Marshall Mathers, Slim Shady. Over a Dilla beat. They would have got that. So you're saying this is like before Just Don't Give a Fuck? This was before Just Don't Give a Fuck. But this was, he was already this person. Because mind right. you, we had practiced for a whole year of just working on D12 stuff. It wasn't, and this was the first solo song, one of the first solo songs he was working on for his next project, which would have been the Slim Shady EP, or, uh, yeah, EP, because we was working on Dirty Dozen shit, so. Wow. Do you remember what the song was called? I don't know, but, man, the concept he had to it was crazy because it was like, you know, it was the M that we know, the way his brain works. You know what I'm saying? It was like, I just remember it being a dope concept. And I remember, I want to say he said the verse. He spit the verse one time because he was playing the beat. Because I remember him playing that beat over and over again. And I was so happy that it was Is like that the JD song, beat. was it called Get a Hold? Yep, Get a Hold. So, unfortunately, that record never happens. Nope. You know, whatever. It was meant to be. It was a great Tribe Called Quest song. Yeah. But... You guys keep working. He starts working on records in his new persona. Mm-hmm. And we working Some on point, D12 stuff, yep. You're working on D12 stuff. Some point you realize that he's going to put an EP together. Well, no, this is what happened. After the D12 stuff, remember, we kind of dismantled, dis- disbanded at that version of it. And yeah. I think at that time... Him and Proof was like, you know, they was mad at each other, but they best friends, so you know they. Do. And he M is frustrated now, 
still he, yeah he was but, already but, frustrated but, you say he's more yeah, but frustrated now it's like rock bottom it's like we lost a had to move from fairport because it's like you know he a dad he gotta move i go back home and he's a dad and he was like i remember he came to my house back to my mom's house this, this is crazy because my house on road this is just this is why it's a magical thing to me because he came back he said yo i need some beats I'm working on this. This is my last shot. Fuck it. And I'm like, man, if I don't get money for beats right now, my parents going to kick me out again. So I don't give a damn if it's $20. He was like, I ain't got no money, but I got a radio. I said, cool, because I, no, I ain't got no radio to make beats on. <laughs> so he gave me the radio that he had, right? Yeah. And we both was like at our wits end, because I got to go get a job now. Cause they didn't even want me doing it. They gave me a shot at like I moved. We it didn't work. We put that out. It didn't work. So he's at his wits end. I'm at my wits end. And he was like, I don't got no money, but I got a radio. Cool. I make beats on this radio that he gave me. And the first beat that I made was low down and dirty. So you're making beats on a radio, meaning you're using like an amplifier that he had. That's how I would have to plug into the radio through the RCA cable. Right, so it's like, an amplifier so that you Pretty can much, yeah. put, hook something up to the speakers to, yeah. to play the music through. Yeah. And okay. So, and that was boom, what, what he gave you. I'm making, you know, we Redman fans, we all yeah. of these things. But and I had a, we read the Redman sample for the chorus. And the Redman sample is in there. And so that was the first thing. And I was like, this is it. We're going to work on. I did that. And then I did Just Don't Give a Fuck. And that that was once that song happened, it was like Slim Shady EP. And that Slim Shady that EP was EP. the moment the lightning really struck. That's when it really set in. So that's where I come in the picture, mm -hmm. right? Because yep. I'm in New York. Yeah, and we did everything. Working we could as do. nine <laughs> to five as a lawyer. Yep. Had passed the bar because I'm a genius. <laughs> <laughs> and. And I get a phone call from DJ Head, and he says, listen, you got to check out the new stuff Eminem's doing. Yeah. And obviously, I knew who he was. Mm -hmm. I bought Infinite, mm -hmm. was a fan, mm -hmm. but, you know, he wasn't Eminem yet, right? Yeah, it wasn't Eminem yet. So I said, great, how do I get in touch with him? Man, I'm going to have him call you. Either he had him call me, or I called him. And I don't even know if I had a cell phone yet, right? This is 97. Yeah. Yeah. So somehow we get on the phone with each other. And I was like, hey, remember me? He's like, yeah, cool. I said, hey, I really heard you got some new stuff that, that's incredible. I want to check it out. All right, I'll send it to you. Sends me a cassette, right? And that cassette mm -hmm. had Low Down Dirty. Mm -hmm. It had Just Don't Give a Fuck. Mm -hmm. It had, I think, No One's Iller. Mm -hmm. And I think it had the song Slim Shady. You remember that song? Wow, yeah, that's I did that. I did that song too. Right. Ninety-seven Burgundy Blazer, one and for burglary. Had the Dister Mercury Tracer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So that was like the that was that birth of that sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my god, I forgot about that one. So that's that crazy. that obviously made me very excited. Mm-hmm. Right? Because these are records now. People might not know that form that I got them in, but people know a form that was released, yeah. right? 
Yeah. So especially with just don't give a fuck, even yeah. though that beat changed and it wasn't the beat that it was originally, but whatever. So yeah. heartbreaking. Yeah, I, I felt I felt <laughs> it. But anyway, um, serious demoitis with that record. I mean, I, I was just listening to I mean, it nonstop. Yeah. So yeah. so so I get this thing. I flip out. I call him back up and I'm like, yo, I am a lawyer now. I'm in New York. I want to represent you officially. Great. What are we going to do? I don't mm-hmm. know. I'm going to start working it. I'm going to shop your music and we'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. He was signed to the Bass Brothers, of course. You know, along with them, he had decided to create the Slim Shady EP, which is what these demos became, right? Yeah. And you produced a bunch of that stuff, mm-hmm. and everybody sort of knows the story from there, right? He goes out to the Rap Olympics, gets on the radio. Dr. Dre hears him, doesn't know who he is. I get the demos. Marshall and I get the demos to Interscope. Jimmy Iovine gives the demo to Dre. Dre mm-hmm. hears it, says, that's the kid I heard on the radio. Yeah. Bring him in here. So we just skipped over about, you know, a year of work. But yeah, for yeah. the sake of this being a podcast. Which feels like, to us at the time, 10 years. Like 10 years. Yeah. Because when people tell us, like, you could think, like, we, what would we well, we've been like this since we was what twenties. Like, like it's like maybe a little later than it's been like that for a minute. And for us, it felt like a long time because it was a lot of you know no struggle moves slow. Yeah, the struggle yeah. moves slow, and then when things start to really roll, it all moves so fast. Super right, and nobody knows what to do. No, no, because you know? the next twenty years go by like it happened in. Five years. Man. So you guys kept working with each other. And yeah. Marshall forms Shady Records, mm-hmm. signs D12 to Shady Records. Yep. And it becomes the sort of honed down version of the group with six members. Yeah. Tell us about that. Six members. Bugs was in the group at the time. And then Bugs get killed at Belisle. Bugs die at Belisle trying to break up a fight. Guy shoots him. And that was like right at the pinnacle of everything happening, obviously. And and then M comes to Detroit to do a show because he's everywhere now. Right. He, he was probably spending a bunch of time in L.A. recording yeah, his album. Yeah, spending all the time in L.A. Right. And I remember, man, I remember having a conversation with him, like, before we even did the D12 thing. Because I got a offer at Rough House. Remember Rough House? Sure. Yeah, Rough For, House is where Cypress Hill and, and the Fugees and yeah. a lot of that great early stuff came out. So for People Get Fucked Up, I had that song and another song that was a just a brigade song, me and Canava. And I remember going to New York. I knew it was happening and it was happening fast because I remember talking to him. This was the last time I had a house phone at that. You know, he used to charge us up the wazoo for, for a house phone. So he Yeah, long you mean like calls. making long distance calls? <laughs> yeah, long distance calls. Like that whole racket? Like it costs Man. more because you live further away? Yeah, it's like, so I remember talking to him. This is kind of the last time I got to talk to him while he was out there. And I said, bro, don't worry. 
Because everybody, it was like, I remember him feeling like people was just latching on to him that probably didn't, shouldn't have been, you know? And it was a lot happening. I remember telling him, like, man, I'm going to see you out there because this is what we're supposed to be doing. And I didn't feel the need to crowd my friend with a bunch of, you know what I'm saying? Like the whole, oh, I got to be, you know, I'm we crew, we this, this, like, like we was going to be crew either way. It's like sure. family at that point. And I so just he, remember did he did like he that. tell you not to sign somewhere else? Wait until no, I get my he didn't, situation. He didn't have to tell me. It was just my. It was my choice. Okay. It was my choice because I knew that I could do it because I had already learned enough. And if if he got to where he was going that way, listen, I was producing the shit. So why would I worry about it? I just had to keep working, and that was always my mentality. And I think that's what made him. And me continue to be able to be friends is never about business. That that's not that's not how we handle each other, you know. And this is a choice to make to be a part of where you started. And I kind of had that offer on the table. I think Bizarre even had some offer and proof too. So we had, we all kind of had to make. You know, it was a good thing to just come together and do it because it was stronger that way. You know. Sure. But I remember hey. having it and I thought, all right, this is it. You know what I mean? I knew what to do. I knew how to take it and how, how to handle it and how I'm supposed to approach it because I learned from him. I was with him the whole time. So, And he was always like a big brother. I mean, when I bought my first car, he said, all right, now you got to come show, show up to work. You got to come to work on time. <laughs> he was like, now you got to pay for it. Yeah, you have no excuse now. I have no excuse now. Because you have so wheels. He was he was always like that with me, so I needed that. So when 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 Bugs passed away, mm-hmm. I'm sure there was a moment of pause. Yeah. And then you guys decide to bring somebody else in the group. Yeah, Swift. Okay. And that was uh, I think Bugs wanted us to bring Swift before he passed. Okay. And that's how that happened. And you so. were in you were in a group with Caniva. Yeah. Yep. Me and we were called the brigade. The brigade. And, yep. Right. So there was always like, that's what a lot of people don't understand. There was always like synergy and side projects and other things happening. Proof had three or four different groups he was a part of, right? You yeah. had the brigade, plus your work with D12, plus your production mm-hmm. work, plus your solo work. Yeah. Swift was in a group called the Rabies. Bazaar was in D12 and. Mm-hmm. Had his thing going. Had his thing as like a quasi member of the Outsiders at one point. Yeah, quasi. Yep. Sure and was. and that that whole thing was was great because everybody was so creative. But you know, Marshall and I formed this label, and we we had a real home mm-hmm. for you guys. So yeah. you you guys make the debut album for D Twelve Devil's Night, mm-hmm. and you produced a bunch of stuff on there. And as you're moving on, at some point. You meet Dr. Dre. And I know yeah. this was pivotal for you because you learned so much from him. Yeah. Tell, I met tell him me actually about that. Way, I met him actually earlier. But before Marshall Mathers LP, I met him like Slim Shady, he, Slim Shady LP right after, I think, party in New York. So you met him in New York. I met him in New York. With Marshall, probably. With Marshall. Yeah. So right. I met him back then. And remember, I was giving him, well, I was giving him beats before so right when we was working on the devil's night album there was an intro you don't even know this not an intro but 
the radio skit before for, Bugs. For before Devil's Bugs. Night? Yep, on Devil's Night. Okay. The skit, that beat that's there, there's a chop of, there's a chop that's on there, okay? Okay. <laughs> there's this beat. And that was one thing that I do really well was really chop up shit a certain kind of way. Right. So Dre heard that beat. And there's a song with Snoop and Dre on that beat. It's on the Devil's Night album. There's a whole song of Snoop and Dre over this beat. Because I was giving Dre music and Dre was already rocking with me. Where Where's this song? Dre got it. I was working with Dre already at this point. So Dre has a song over <laughs> a beat that we ended up using as background music for a D12 radio skit? Yep, yep. It's a skit that I made for yep, for right before the Bugs thing. Do we know what it's called? Nah, but him and Snoop rapping on it. It's hard. Oh, too. my God. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. We got to get our hands on that. Yeah. I had like a gang of shit that they did, like, because at this time, Detox was a thing. This is Yeah, so this was... is around the time they're, they're, they're making music for the 2001 album. Yeah, so it was like right after, right on, and he heard that music and was like, yo, we got to work. So... I kind of was learning at that point from him. I met him, so I knew him. I had a relationship with him just due to the production. Right. So yeah. And he came to Detroit to work on D12 World. Yes. We worked at Vanguard Studios, which is a monumental yep. Which spot. is where, how we met Mike Strange. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So I remember that. And he was there for a couple of weeks working yep. in that studio with you guys, which was, you know, awesome. Made you know the songs that ended up being on the D12 album that he produced. Yeah, that's a crazy, crazy time. Yeah. So, so the D12 album comes out. Obviously, does incredibly well. You produced a bunch of records on there. Dre produced a bunch of records on there. Marshall's it was pretty just much me, Marshall, and Dre. Yeah, on the production. That's right. Mm -hmm. And Marshall's just on fire, right? As a solo yeah. artist, the right. D12 album does incredibly well. Yeah. And at some point, we signed Fifty. Yes. Which we were telling, the craziest part is, so right around the time when M is popping, I remember Power of the Dollar. Yeah. We was playing that, we was bumping that, bumping that, bumping at it. M really couldn't zone into it because he was popping himself. Yeah. And it was like, yo, this dude. And then you guys, I think you yeah reintroduce him to to the to the to, to what 50 was doing because the mixtape right. shit started going crazy so so after power of the dollar and he he got shot yeah he came back later with guess who's back yeah so guess who's back was the new 50 set the new 50 right yeah. he had his his draw from being shot yep he really didn't give a fuck at that point no so and so 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 much like what we know of as M, where it's like this balls to the wind. Found you know his I mean? voice. Yeah. Found, found his voice. And Marshall finally, for whatever reason, decides to focus on it. Mm -hmm. And he's, oh my God, this is incredible. Yeah. We gotta sign this guy. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, but we're gonna need help. Yeah, right. We gotta we gotta bring the <laughs> we, we're gonna need some help with this one. We gotta yeah, bring right? this, we gotta bring Dre in the fold. Mm -hmm. So we bring it to Dre, sign it. And, you know, everybody knows that story, too. Mm -hmm. What? Tell us about the records that you did with him. Just briefly. So, just just yeah, rattle yeah. them so, off. So basically, PIMP, Stunt 101. I think I did some shit for G-Unit. I did Young Buck. 
Yeah. So we did a lot of records. So PIMP um, was a major hit. That took it over. That record comes out and it goes like diamond. Now we die. You know what I mean? It was just, yeah. it was unbelievable. So, and, and then you start re- producing for other people and spreading your wings a little bit. Still yeah. staying at D12, still being around, still being connected. But yeah. at the same time, it was like, hey, I have my own career, right? And you didn't yeah. just have to be the guy that was producing for Marshall and was in D12. It was like, I'm Mr. Porter. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go do what I'm going to do. Yeah. And rightfully yeah. so. Yeah. Right? Well, it was, it was definitely a... Definitely, a, I had to grow up kind of thing because, like, remember, I started off as like that was just my 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 crew was everything, right? And so then when Dre came in, it was like, yo, I got to take a backseat to this because I got to learn. So then Dre comes in, and and for me personally, it was kind of like a bittersweet thing because I was like, man, I'm not landing the records the way that I want to. I want, you know, I'm like, so I'm trying to get better and better, and it was a proven ground to me. So things like. All of the stuff that I was doing, I was doing still with the intent of my music family, you guys, everybody, like, just trying to impress my crew. You right. get what I mean? So it was like, because you know how we would be out and we would hear records and be like, yo, we still hip-hop fans. Like, we in it, but we still are fans. That's the thing about it. Like, we just have this level of love for the music. So I was always yeah. trying to do that. So... It was a it was a crazy time just producing them records, producing yeah. them, and and you guys reconnect, make the D twelve World album, yeah. right, which is a second D twelve album. Yeah, because I was moved. I moved that by that time. I was actually living in California, so I had to come back home to do that record. Right. Yeah. Right. Because you had you know blossomed and developed your own career. Yeah. So so yeah. And, and at the same time you're still you know obviously in touch with Marshall. You guys are on yeah. tour together. Every time he goes out, he brings D12 with him, mm-hmm. and you guys are still staying close. But at some point, you know, we get to a really difficult time. Yeah. And proof was taken from us. Yes. So yeah. that for more more or less. Was the end of D12. Pretty much for me. Well, it, it, not just in a in a metaphysical sense, but in a practical mm. sense. Yeah, right? it, felt, it felt like nothing else we could do. He was, he was the leader. He had put the group together. Mm-hmm. He was the glue that held it together. He was the guy who, he was the politician. Yeah. He was the one who would resolve arguments. He yep. was the one who could, you know, make you guys cut it out when you were being petty. Yeah. Um, or well, immature or whatever. Would, him would, we would literally fight. Right. Would, no, I know. Like, I know. Yeah, me and him would fight. Like, but, I, but I'll tell you this. That was early on. So as I learned the business more, it became, that's where I learned so much more. And I think I had matured a lot quicker because remember, I had to go out and be this other thing. So right. with him doing that and him passing, it was almost like, you know, and the world made it like Eminem's friend died, but it was more than that. You know, we lost so much already, and then when, with with that, it was just it was even greater. So it was like we lost 
the biggest part of the system, even right. the shady system, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, so, so with his passing, it was, you know, the, the leader of the group is gone mm-hmm. and there was attempts to, I don't want to make this about, you know, that, that much, mm-hmm. um, but there was attempts to sort of put the pieces back together. Yeah. There was, there was a brief attempt at bringing somebody else into the group. Mm-hmm. None of it really worked. Yeah. And the reason is because without proof, it doesn't there, work. Yeah. It don't work. Yeah. That was tough. It just, it, you know what? We had the Wu-Tang model, but it was very different because it was, I don't know the extent of their model. I just know from what we saw. But for us, it was like, it's like Voltron not having a head. It's like, you know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. It just it just was different and it felt more like a, a brother in a way where it was not necessarily a group member. Right. You know? Yeah. So I understand. I, I mean I was there and, and and believe me, I understand. Yeah. I think that that this is a good time to move ahead a little bit. You continue working with Marshall, and after he gets sober, right, he goes and creates the Relapse album. Yes. Right? And you had some work on that project. Yeah. What do you remember about piecing that record together? When Relapse was being done, it was like my mind at this point was, we remember we all had the conversation in Vegas, and y'all told me some stuff that I didn't know. Like I didn't, I kind of knew, but I didn't know. I didn't even know about the old, the overdose and all that stuff, really. Yeah, because initially we had kept it quiet. Yeah, co- completely. And right. it was like when you know, I'm one of the people. Like if people don't know this, it's like I've been there since day one, and I'm one of the people that keeps. <laughs> I'm gonna keep shit under the wraps. You're never gonna get anything out of me, really. You know, you can always get a piece of something and you speculate it, but. It's like you having information. So I don't, but I'm one of those people where it's like, I know the protocol was built by all the shit we went through. <laughs> so, right. But you ended but, uh, up doing more production on recovery. recovery. Yes. Right. Cause, cause relapse was like, there's a lot of Dre. Um, inspiration of Dre. It's just yeah. Dre. And there's a lot yeah, of things. Dre and Marshall. Yep. So during that time, remember it's, 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 it was, you know, remember 50 came in that week? And it was a lot of songs him and Fifty had. I think they had like two or three records that 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 they did during that time in Back Vegas. Fourth joints, yeah, yeah. Well, one of them ended up being we we just put it out. The is this love record? Yeah, yeah. That yeah. was like during that time. It was a lot more records too, like that they had. Is but, this love was on on Curtain Call too? So yeah. very apropos for this discussion. So on on recovery, mm-hmm. you did, I did um, on fire, right? I felt like at this time. Remember, On Fire was him coming out of the accents. And I remember like, yo, bro, let's just do it like hip-hop shop, straightforward, no accent, bop, 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 bop. Yeah, he was spitting, just straight spitting on it. Straight spitting. And then you also did a bunch of stuff on the Bad Meets Evil project, right? Yeah, I did most of that, yep. 
and you were yeah. w- one of the co-producers of that. So, yeah, co- so yeah. tell me about that because obviously there's there was a long history, you know, Royce that was sort of not not separate, well, separate but parallel mm-hmm. to the D12 stuff. Mm-hmm. He had his own relationship with Royce, mm-hmm. which you know we talked about it very very briefly when I had my podcast with Royce, mm-hmm. but. At some point, Royce comes back into the fold, and you guys all patch things up. Everybody's cool, mm-hmm. and they start working on Bad Meets Evil, and yeah. brought you in. What did that mm-hmm. feel like? Well, the story goes after proof. I remember talking to Royce in two thousand seven. Yeah, I heard a song him and Primo did, and I said, "Yo, you need to do a whole album with Prem." This was back back. So at this point, I already squashed everything myself because proof. We lost proof. And it was kind of like, I remember that time. So I kind of already myself was like, man, we too, we grown, we got to grow past a lot of this shit. And then later it became more into, so so Roy Star come to the studio. He had the Slaughterhouse thing. He had all of that. And I remember working with him like, yo, you don't, you just got to hone in on this shit. Like, and we did success is certain. We did all of that kind of stuff in my studio. Down the right. street, the one that was in Oak Park, from down the street from Vanguard, ironically. Yeah, yeah I remember that. You so had your then, own spot. Yeah. So then we go to, I think we went to Brazil, Paul, or something. And I remember we was on the plane, and me and Royce had already had some songs because I was working on another project with him. Yeah. And then you was like, how about a Bad Meets Evil album? <laughs> right. Like, right. Yeah. Royce said fucking, the same thing. Yeah. Don't I was like, you guys, why, why don't we just make this a real project? And it was, yeah. it was an EP actually. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. why not? It was the right time. It was in yeah. between Eminem albums. Yep. Those guys were on a roll creatively. Yeah. It felt like the right thing to do. Yeah. It was so it was perfect. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. That comes out massively successful. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we continue forward from there and we go from, Relapse to the Marshall Mathers LP too, right? Yes. Yep. And what which records did you do on there? Because I think you... I set out on those because I started focusing... During Bad Means Evil, right after Bad Means Evil, I really... I don't know if you remember this conversation. It was like, I really wanted to get the shows down pat. Yeah. I felt... And I was like... Because you, you gotta... took over... I mean, this, this is an important thing to bring up. We're running out of time, but that's mm-hmm. why I'm rushing through this stuff. But an yeah. important thing to bring up is you took over the duties of being on stage with Marshall at the live yeah. shows. Yeah. And, and, that, and, and that's a job. It's like a real job. It's it's wanna... it's a serious gig. And, yeah. and thank goodness we have had you to do it because, yeah. you know, not that many people can do it. No. I had to take that time because I really noticed how... This needed to be better, and I'm. I want to be good at whatever. I don't have to be th- the greatest person that ever done something. My thing is like I'm there. I'm a great six man. That's how I look at it. So I started focusing a lot more on the show shit. So during the Marshall Mathers two, I was like, man, this is. Let me just not worry about production wise. And I think we had obviously we had records. We always right. make records for everything, but kind of sat back off that one. So then. Moving forward, obviously, it's revival, kamikaze, mm-hmm. music mm-hmm. to be murdered by, music to be murdered by the B sides, yeah, all the stuff in between. What do you What do you feel like you were you were most focused on with Marshall on those projects? Revival, I wanted him to get in the room and just create 
mm-hmm. instead of, you know, just getting it back in the room. I was like, yo, bro, let's, that was at the height of a lot of things happening socially. And it was like, we talk about that so much. Like that's how untouchable and things like that, you know, we did the. Right. You were, I mean, you worked on untouchable. Yeah. Untouchable. Remember the campaign joint, the, 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 the campaign joint speech. We worked on that. Yep. And then that whole revival idea was like, hey, Paul, let's, let's, me, Mill, and me, and Mill, and uh, Mark Batson, let's put, let's go in, let us go in, and boom, 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 boom. Yep. Work on records and just try to like get them back into a different fold. Now, that was, I think people are going to go back and look at that. That's a very critical record. There's critical of it when it comes to certain things, but I think yeah. it was critical because it was a risk. You know the risk. Yeah. That, that there was. We know what it took. Right. But, we talked about a little bit with Marshall, and, and he feels like, it was unfairly treated because when the track list came out mm-hmm. and it had all these features on it with like bigger names and some pop artists, yeah. people had a preconceived notion of what the record was going to be. Yeah, they looked over the content completely. And decided so. that it was going to be something before they'd even heard it. Yeah. Right? Which is why moving forward, he was like, I'm not going to let that happen again. I'm going to mm-hmm. hit them with these albums. They're not going to know when they're coming. They're not knowing when they're coming. Yeah. Right? So then we yeah. go to Kamikaze, mm-hmm. and then the music to be murdered by records. Yeah. And you you obviously were around for those. Mm-hmm. What do you remember from, from their creations? I remember how Kamikaze was. It was like, he. it was exactly what it, it was very self-explanatory. That's what he was feeling. Yeah. And, you know, obviously we had conversations about some records that we didn't, weren't gonna use uh-huh yeah he was firing back at the world yeah but yeah. then he not did all it the world deserved to be fired back at listen bro when he did it over that one joint i was like all right enough is enough i'm like i just gave you a smash remember the, the, like the way up joint and you chose to what you chose to do it was like come on man are you really gonna do that yeah 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 over this so, so it, it was so, just Creatively, he's gotten to a place, I feel like, when it came to Kamikaze, he really started getting the idea of recording and just being able to let go of things and not harbor right. too long. Right. And then the most recent futures, obviously, the the music to be murdered by records. Yes. And those were born from the same sort of creative space. What is your understanding or remembrance of, you know, how you guys approach those records i think the, the the one thing is music to be murdered by was like he got back into theme just you know having a theme of what he was going to do yeah back into like a character almost into a character yeah, yeah. and that was relief a relief because you know we love that from him obviously yeah. and then it's not it's not a big of his fight number with some of the songs like him pulling stuff that he probably shouldn't use Cause it's like I remember this record. Let me rehash this one. And back. yeah, really, it wasn't you know, him. Like fire, it, it, those those albums weren't him firing back at the world full yeah. bore necessarily. Like that. Yeah, it was back to yeah, us. You know, just creating to create, yeah. and that's yep. where he you know where he's at his best. Create absolutely. To create, you know, absolutely. So, listen, that brings us to present day. You guys are obviously going to. Create more. Yes. Remain friends. Yeah. Hopefully go out and do some more shows at yeah. some point. We're we going to have to. One day. You know, that's, the, that's the thing. He knows that. Yeah, well, of course. <laughs> you know, you of know, course. It's just yeah, like, just, right, right COVID, now, COVID was the best and worst thing to happen to it him, right? It was the best and worst thing. Listen right. for all of us because we all got into a way. So. so, Mr. Porter, listen, 
our time here is up. I just wanted to thank you. We got way, way deep into some stuff early on that I didn't expect to get into, but I'm really glad we did because I think we covered a lot of things that people didn't know and a few things that I didn't know. Yeah, which is which is amazing, (laughs) which is just amazing. (laughs) And I'm so glad that you were able to join us. What do you want to say to the people listening through these platforms and around the world? Now's your moment. (laughs) Now's your moment. Listen, only thing I my my main stay is we are all leaving Earth in a box. Don't let people make you live in one. There you go. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Porter on the Paul Pod. It's been Thank incredible. You. Thank you so much. Appreciate you, brother. I'll see you soon. Yes, sir. Yeah.